Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, everyone. It's Elizabeth K., your host of 50 Shades of K. And when we did our podcast on step parenting and blended families a few weeks ago, I could not believe the response from women and men reaching out about what their experiences are like with step families. And one of the books I referenced was a book that kind of helped me figure out this role as a stepmom. It's called The Happy Stepmother. And a lot of the listeners of the podcast ask, what is this book? I need a link to it. I need to read it. And I thought, you know what? Why not have the woman behind the book on for a podcast. So today we're talking about the happy stepmother with author Dr. Rochelle Katz. Thanks for joining me, Rochelle. Oh, thank you for having me, Elizabeth. It's de- I'm delighted to be talking to you today. You are a godsend, let me tell you. Because about about two years ago, when I was still new to this stepmom role, a friend of mine had kind of sensed that I was still trying to figure out my my path with this, what's my role? She suggested your book, The Happy Stepmother. And I kind of laughed and I said, The Happy Stepmother? Is there such a thing as that? And you are also... It is an oxymoron for a lot of women. <laughs> it is an oxymoron for a lot of women, sure. And and my situation is actually really good compared to what a lot of people have to go through. I mean, we all do get along and that's great, mm-hmm. but I was feeling a little overwhelmed. And on the front of your book, you write... If you're frustrated by having all the responsibilities of motherhood with none of the recognition or reward or worried that stepfamily issues are driving a wedge between you and your husband, then you're not alone and you can do something about it. And from there, I thought, okay, this is a book for me. But you're a stepmom. You've been through a lot as a stepmom and as a psychotherapist. What did you find when writing this book was the response when you put it out there? You know, I have only one stepdaughter, so my sample was pretty small, and my husband actually recommended that I put an online questionnaire up to see what um, stepmothers experienced, and the response was overwhelming. Now, you have to realize this was, my book came out in 2010, so this was 10 years ago, and for the first year, I think 3,000 women responded, and then the following year, I had another 3,000. It was rather incredible how many women, um, I guess, were seeking online help and somehow Googled stepmothers and came up, you know, my questionnaire came up and they answered it. So I got um, a really diverse range of some of the problems that stepmothers experience. And what are you finding were some of the problems that they were experiencing? Well, I think there can be, they're lumped into a couple of, a few categories. One, I think they felt powerless, that they were expected to do a lot of the housework, the chauffeuring, the cooking, the cleaning, providing love, and yet they had very little power when it came to um, disciplining children or having the house run smoothly. I think a lot of stepmothers walked into a chaotic situation where the divorced 
dads were very loving, but that's all they actually <clears throat> did. They provided love, but they didn't provide structure. They didn't provide discipline when it was needed. So I think some stepmothers walked into a chaotic home life. I think others felt like outsiders, and despite you know, trying really hard to become integrated into the family, they always felt they were kind of pushed aside. And I think yeah. some, there were issues with boundary problems that there were intrusions all, you know, by the ex-wife that they felt their, their personal lives were basically talked about by their stepchildren when they came home to be with their biological mothers or they were being told what to do. So I think those were kind of um, a few of the typical problems. Yeah, and that is definitely something I feel like, you know, I can relate to as being a stepmom is coming into this family where I immediately felt like I want to save the day and I want to help my husband and I want to drive my stepson everywhere and I want to help with the homework and do the dinners and and be the the woman and the savior that he needs in his life. And that's where about two years ago I was starting to feel overwhelmed. But then I felt confused because I thought, but isn't this what a lot of biological moms feel like? You do so much. But maybe you don't well, get... Well, no one's asking you to do that. I mean, I think um, the assumption is when women become stepmothers that this is what they're supposed to do, that they're supposed to help out their husbands so that husbands can have quality time with their kids, and then they're supposed to be surrogate maternal figures. But in fact, I think oftentimes they just end up resentful because... Their stepchildren don't want them to be doing all these things, and the husbands are completely unaware that <laughs> and they're not appreciative either. So I think, you know, and, and it is interesting that more step couples get divorced than those who marry, are married for the first time. And I think some of the reason is that these stepmothers try so hard and then they get exhausted. There's no bang for the buck, essentially. Yeah, and, and like I said, we're speak, we're kind of painting this picture with a very broad stroke because everyone's mm-hmm. situation is different. And my husband does very much say, oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I do, I do get that. And I have kind of learned, okay, take on only so much. Make sure I still take care of myself. Because someone once mm-hmm. told me, I'm not at all saying that this is how I feel every day, but there have been a couple moments sprinkled in in the last four years where someone said to me, being a step-parent is like working a full-time job, but not receiving any of the benefits when you retire yep. kind of thing. Does that make I sense to you? Of, yes. I think a lot of stepmothers feel that way, but I think it doesn't have to be that way. So for instance, I always recommend that stepmothers think about what are their expectations? What do they think they have to do as, um, as a stepmother? And that they also discuss it with their partners because those expectations may not necessarily be what they want or should be doing. Right. And in The Happy Stepmother, in your book, you have the 10 steps to a fulfilling new life. But Mm -hmm. it is a really simple read. I mean, you talk here about how you can set up boundaries, strengthening your relationship, um, alleviating stress. But when we had the podcast a few weeks ago, Rochelle, that talked about can a biological mom and a stepmom get along? Because in our situation, we do. We do get along. Mm -hmm. And there are boundaries and there is respect. And there's one kid between the four parents because he has two two Mm -hmm. step parents. 
and everybody does get along. He's a good kid, which makes it really easy. He's not acting up in school. You know, he gets good grades. That makes it easy. But there were a lot of women that put on Facebook. They said, how can I, as a step parent, have a relationship with the biological mom or even the kids if the biological mom is bad mouthing the stepmom or there's some animosity there? What have you found is advice for someone in that situation that wants to have this great relationship, but there's this animosity on the other end? Well, I think they have to realize they may not have full control and they may not be able to achieve that. You know, I think several years ago um, in the mental health community, rather than use step family, which was a word that is stigmatized, people chose blended. But that And that sort of suggests that over time, a stepfamily is indistinguishable from an intact family. And that can happen in a few cases. But largely, I think it's a setup for stepmothers to feel like failures because they can't achieve that blended family like maybe you, yours is. And so I think blended has become a benchmark for success or failure. And I think if a stepmother realizes that she may not ever be the one, she, I think a lot of stepmothers feel they're the responsible ones to make this happen, to make blending happen. But if they realize they can't, there are forces beyond their control, they can just relax a little and see if it happens naturally. And if not, it's still they can still have a very functioning step family, even if it's not blended. Right. And for a lot of relationships, not just blended or step families, I mean, in-laws, we could take some advice from that, that you can't control the other household. You can't control the other person. You can really only control yourself. And if someone wants to be obstructive or, um, contemptuous or really make it difficult, you may not, you may have to accept the fact that you have limited, you can't do anything about it. And rather than worry about it, focus your energy on positive relationships. Good idea. Yeah, exactly. And why do you feel there is such little appreciation and support for stepmoms? Because it is, there really isn't a lot on the internet. There isn't a lot of dialogue about it. It seems like it's a niche topic, although there are so many stepmothers in the United States. I think, you know, Grimm's fairy tales have had a huge um, negative influence and that even stepmothers, I think, are, are trying to prove that they're not wicked and evil. And that's, why I think, why they work so hard in their families to say, well, you know, society may think stepmothers are wicked or evil, but I'm going to show mine that I'm not. And then they end up burning out. I think um, oftentimes when families have problems, they like to have a scapegoat. And I think stepmothers are, are an easy target. I agree with you on that. And, and I, I'm not speaking about that from personal experience because I'm well aware that there's going to be certain people listening to this podcast that are going to think that this is all about my situation. So I want to say that I can't relate to that, but I've met a lot of women now that are stepmoms since I have become a stepmom, and they do feel like they are the scapegoat. And what is the reason for that? Is it that the mom is feeling threatened, the biological mom? Well, that could be, or resentful that her life hasn't turned out the way she hoped it would be after she got divorced, or um, the stepchildren aren't happy about the way their lives have turned out after the divorce. 
you know, I think, again, as you said in the beginning, that every stepmother's situation is unique. Yeah. But I do think there seems to be this prevailing attitude. You made your bed as a stepmother now lie in it. And the problem, I think, for most stepmothers is that they have no idea what they're getting themselves into because oftentimes the biological mother is resentful two years later or the stepchildren suddenly, put, you know, they were close for a while and then they don't want to have anything more to do with the stepmother or they have problems that really take a lot of time and energy away from other family members. Sure. So I think the prevailing attitude is you made your bed, now lie in it. And the fact is, I think most stepmothers have, um, just like intact families, you have no idea what you're getting into when you get married. Life happens. Yep, it does. And there was a comment put on the Facebook page, Rochelle, for the podcast we did a few weeks ago about stepmoms and biological moms getting along. The woman wrote on the Facebook page, I will never get along with my daughter's stepmom because what she needs to know is my daughter already has a mom and she needs to know her place. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a stepmom that has to hear something like that? Well, I think it's really it's harsh, right? And it feels bad because most stepmothers don't want to replace the biological mother. Amen to that. They just want to be a loving figure in um, a stepchild's life. Yes. So so I think they feel like, wait a second, I'm not trying to replace you. um, And I I really respect your your place. There's only one... only one mother, and you're it. But please give me a chance. All I want is to have a nice relationship. But I think you talked about in your family that everyone gets along. That's pretty rare. It is rare. It is rare. If there's ever any disagreements, it usually boils down to switching days and calendars and sometimes sometimes money. But again, our situation is very unique. My husband and his ex were very young when they got together, very young when they had my stepson. They, She has been remarried now for many years. We've been together now for almost five years. There, a lot of time has passed. A lot of time mm-hmm. has passed. When I came into the situation, they had already not been together for seven years. Mm-hmm. So that perhaps maybe had something to do with it. But that's just that's just my situation. That's not like everyone else's. Well, someone told me a story where she, similar to you, she met her husband six years after his divorce and had a close relationship with her stepsons until um, the youngest one got married. And then the biological parent, the mother, told both stepsons that the reason she divorced their father was because the stepmother had an affair with Mm. him. And, And she hadn't met him for like six years after the divorce was finalized. But she, I don't know why she was motivated to tell this lie, but this is a good example where time doesn't always heal or make things better. Right. Sometimes, you know, things are just said that's false, and even if you correct it, the stepchildren aren't going to necessarily listen to it. Yeah, that's... So it can be tough. You know, time, I think one of the things I always tell people is, yeah, time can heal, but it doesn't have to. And if it doesn't, you have to focus on doing things that do provide a lot of fulfillment for you. Yeah, and that's, you mentioned that in the book too, kind of 
taking care of yourself, doing things that do provide fulfillment. And and you also talk about taking a step back for someone listening mm-hmm. that has a really difficult time going to the spring concert with the child because they do or don't all sit by each other, whatever the case may be. Maybe don't go to that spring concert then. That doesn't make you a bad step parent. You're just saying I'm a better parent if I'm not worked up and anxious and frustrated and angry because of who we have to sit by at a spring concert, for example. Well, I think you're right that, you know, we call that disengaging. And oftentimes if you feel, if a stepmother is feeling really frustrated that she's not, for instance, this happens a lot in terms of wanting stepchildren to have chores at home. But if the husband refuses to do that, I think she has to take a step back and say, okay, you know, this is what I prefer. And I think it's healthier for a stepchild to learn how to be, you know, responsible to put a dish in the sink or make a bed. But if my husband refuses to cooperate with me, I have to take a step back because it's not my place. Yeah, and and that's where the frustration can sometimes come in because women feel like their life isn't in their control. It's being dictated by another person, whether it be the you know ex-wife or the stepchild, and that can kind of be where the resentment can build up because you feel like, wait, this is my house, my life. Why don't I have control over this? And I think the stepmother is in this position where she sees <clears throat> she is an eyewitness to some of the problems that are happening and will happen, and she ha- she really has the best intentions to help her stepchildren, but either her husband and or his um, ex-wife don't want to do anything about it. So I've heard this a lot, where you know stepmothers say, you know, my kid, my stepchild needs tutoring, my stepchild needs therapy, my stepchild needs this, and you know the parents are basically in denial or don't think it's if the kid will outgrow it and they won't do anything about it. And I think it's hard to see a train wreck about to happen without really saying, hey, stop. But I think oftentimes that's the place, that's where stepmothers have to realize they can sort of predict the future, but yet they may not be able to control it. Yes. And that's painful. Yeah, it is. And Rochelle, I have to ask you, I don't know your situation. You are a stepmom. Was the biological mom in the picture? And how does she or did she feel about you sort of speaking about well, this role as a stepmom a, and maybe not talking about the great unique, side? <laughs> I have a pretty unique situation. Like you, I have one stepdaughter who's now 30 and is married and just had a child. But when I married uh, my husband, my stepdaughter was four, and I did not meet her mother until her wedding. Her mother didn't really want to have anything to do with my husband and by proxy didn't want to have anything to do with me. So where a lot of stepmothers feel like their privacy is always invaded by um, the biological mother, I felt like um, she compartmentalized, my husband's ex-wife compartmentalized things that it was completely separate. So in one way, I think they're very, I've only met a couple of other stepmothers who really haven't had any interaction with the biological mother. And what's unusual in my situation is we live in the same city. It's not as though we're separated by miles. But she did not want, she wanted as little contact with my husband as possible and none with me. 
So oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's where I think it's funny that my interest came into this, where I thought, wow, I have a really easy situation, a stepdaughter that's really smart, really well-behaved. Um, I don't have, you know, a biological mother causing a lot of, uh, she's not interfering she was very structured, so we really had to follow the um, visitation. But, but it was compared to, you know, I thought, well, this is still painful because I think I was kept at an arm's length by my stepdaughter. She had real loyalty binds with her mother. She really is protective of her mother. And, but I, you know, so I, I kind of had, I felt bad that she didn't want to be as close to me as I wanted to be with her. But, you know, the more I talk to more stepmothers, I realized so many have it so much worse than I did. Yeah, there are some people in some really tough situations. And that's why a book like this, The Happy Stepmother, can be really helpful, hopefully for someone listening. Because it also made me feel like, okay, I'm not alone. I couldn't relate to every aspect Mm -hmm. of the book, but who really can? Like we said, everyone's situation Mm -hmm. is different. But you have the website, thehappystepmother.com. You also have stepsforstepmothers.com. same website, actually. (laughs) That's great. So go to thehappystepmother.com, connect with other stepmoms, get some questions answered, get some advice, find some support there. And before we wrap up with you, Rochelle, what can someone start doing maybe today to not be so overwhelmed? Is there something little that maybe they should just start doing that you could suggest? Um, Meditating, (laughs) I think. There's been all this research about you know, I think meditation has been, um, people have talked about it for a long time, but now that there's brain imaging, they can really see differences in how the brain is affected by meditating. So I think meditating is a really good one. I think too many stepmothers try so hard. They sacrifice spending time with friends. They give up going to the gym. They give up hobbies. And so they have to start doing activities that they used to really enjoy or be with people, spend time with people that they really had fun with. So I think my, the prescription would be do something fun every single day, whether it's petting, you know, taking a dog to the dog park or, you know, looking at flowers, but something that is counteracting or counterbalancing some of the problems at home. That's perfect. That's great. Because, yeah, then you can kind of get a little bit of balance in your life and not feel like that mm-hmm. you're being the, you know, the martyr for everyone else and you're able to still nurture your needs as well. Yes. Thank you so much. Again, it's Dr. Rochelle Katz who wrote the book, The Happy Stepmother, which I really enjoyed reading. We have everything linked up at 991themix.com. Rochelle, anyway, in the future, we could have you back on Fifty Shades of K. Oh, my pleasure. I can talk about my next book with you, which is how to have step couples um, provide safety and security for each other so that they don't feel um, there's a wedge between them because of the step family issues. Uh, Yeah, we are definitely (laughs) going to have you back on for that. So that will be coming up in another podcast of Fifty Shades of K. Thanks, Rochelle. My pleasure. It's great talking to you, Elizabeth. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe so you can be updated when there's a new episode. So to subscribe to this podcast on your smartphone, open your podcast app 
or use your Google Play app. In the search box, type in 50 Shades of K. Now, the 50 is spelled out, so it's five zero Shades of K. Once a podcast comes up, click on it and then hit the subscribe button. And as always, if you have any comments or suggestions for this podcast, feel free to email me at elizabethkradio at gmail.com. That's elizabethkayradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.